right, welcome to our show. It's called Let's Coffee, and this is a collaboration between Yardstick Coffee and Daily Drink Magazine. We are coming to you today from our uh, collaborative studios here in Double Dragon Plaza. This is Honeycomb Manila, which is our co-working space. And we're joined today by Tere Domine of Casada Coffee. Uh, welcome, Tere. Thank you for having me, Ko. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. Um, so the idea behind the show is that um, you know when Andre and I first started talking about it, is that we just wanted to have an opportunity to talk about some of the big ideas mm-hmm. um, that we have in coffee, in particular, over a small cup of coffee, right? And it's something that we go through in our regular. Uh, day-to-day lives and uh, you ever you ever have that moment where you think I wish someone had recorded that yeah, yeah. so so that's where we are today <laughs> um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, about Casada and your role there okay yeah so well Casada is a, I guess we're a global company um, we um, we wanted to say we champion Philippine specialty coffee. So we mostly do work at the farm level and increase um, productivity and quality. And we export a little bit to the US, some to Europe, and now starting to um, explore the Asian market, our neighboring countries. Um, locally, we also sell a little bit of green and to local roasters. And we roast and supply to cafes in Metro Manila and some outside. So yeah. Um, was that the original, um, the original plan with Casada? No, not really. It was originally Carmel just wanted to bring back Philippine coffee to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was when we were about to export our first. Um, production, we got some uh, difficulties with export documents. Mm -hmm. So our inventory has been sitting there for about seven months, and we said, oh, it's deteriorating, you know, how coffee is. Humidity. Yeah, yeah. and it's getting old, so we wanted to test roast a little bit, so we did collaborate with um, Edsa Beverage, um, roasted a little bit, and just explored the local market. Um, and that's when our roasting company uh, was born out of a problem in export. So, it, it, well, this is the nice thing about startup life, right? Is yeah. that like you kind of have to adapt to the to the situation, right? Yes. And I'm sure that like that also happened when you guys started like working in farm, right? Mm-hmm. Like going up into the into mountain province. How did that? How did that kind of happen? Yeah, true. We we currently are now based in Benguet in a community called Sitio Belize in Atok. But originally, we were planning on building our first community mill in Tajan Mountain Province. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't work out because one of problem is the how far it was. It, it takes me about 14 to 15 hours to get there one way. And also another... Um, obstacle is one of our head farmers passed away from um, an illness and then the children didn't want to take over so that's that's when we had to like look into other places and so there's this one PhD student who is doing a thesis or dissertation in this place and 
he heard about us looking for coffee, and so he just told us, oh, there's a community here that doesn't have a buyer. You might want to check them out. And so we did. We went, knocked on their doors, and asked if they have coffee to sell. We tried them. Some of them were really good. And that's when we started that relationship. And now we have two mills in City Belize, and we've been working there for almost almost five years now. What is your what is your designation in Calzada Coffee? Oh. And <laughs> and well, I've obviously you don't stay just doing that, right? But like, yeah. what's your des- designation? And as it stands today, um, kind of what is Calzada's um, mission? Like, what is Calzada? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I guess my question is, uh, what is Calzada? What is Calzada? Huh, okay. Well, our, our vision and mission has evolved over the years. Um, but right now, I would say Calzada would be um, an enabler for um, the production side of coffee. So we wanted to bridge or fill in the gaps that we found along the way to increase quality, productivity, and also the improve the livelihood of the farmers at the forefront. And for them to be proud of what they do and their product. So it's, it's simple, but I think that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in specialty coffee, we always talk about um, we always talk about uh, the coffee journey, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always the journey of the coffee, like the origin story of the coffee. What is the origin story for Terre at Calzada? Um, it was in 2013. I met Carmel for the first time. And I met her through her sister, who was to be my professor in grad school back then. But I've known her um, from my previous work. So it started out as really just going with Carmel to all these coffee origins in the Cordilleras and uh, mostly doing translation work for her because I speak Ilocano <laughs> so I, we go to the farms and um, she would ask questions I would translate for her translate back to the farmers so that's pretty much how it all started for me I don't even and I didn't even think that I would be in coffee mm-hmm. at all my family don't drink doesn't drink coffee so before this you didn't you were not involved in coffee before Calzada? Not at all. What were you doing before this? I used to work for the Department of Science and Technology. Okay. So, yeah. I'm very familiar with that because <clears throat> um, on the way over one day on the EIX, I got pulled over by uh, for speeding at uh-huh. 72 kilometers per hour. And <laughs> the guy said, oh, well, our radar is very accurate. It is... It is uh, what do you call this? Uh, calibrated, yeah, calibrated yeah. by the DOST. Yeah. <laughs> so the DOST really does that stuff. Um, yeah, they have an engineering and mechanization arm that does huh. all that kind of things. Uh, yeah. I thought he was making it up. Probably not. That's probably, probably not. true. That's oh. probably true. Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, so after that, so you, so you met Carmel. Yeah. And she so, got you involved in, in the thing, and then what happened next? Yeah. So. Um, I was waiting for grad school to happen when, pretty much when we met. 
And so she was like, um, or, well, her sister really recommended me. It's like, oh, she knows how to go around. Because my role at um, DOSD before was to connect all the scientists that have worked abroad to go back here and connect them to all these universities um, to further their researches. So I would go around the Philippines. So that's what I used to do. And um, so when I met Carmel, she's like, I have a project on coffee. And I was like, I don't understand it, but okay. And then I was also doing, on the side, I was also doing like organized tours. So I would organize tours to Mountain Province. I would do organized surf tours to Balear and San Juan. This was circa 2011 to 2013. Okay. So that's what I did. And I was like, oh, Carmel, we actually have a... We have a tour coming up to Mountain Province, mm -hmm. and because I don't know any better, I thought coffee only grows in Mountain Province. Mm. So I took her, I told her, oh, we're doing a tour and you should just come along. Um, but the tour didn't happen, but we still went. Mm. So it's just the two of us, we went around Mountain Province. We actually started in Ifugao, Mountain Province, Binget and just going to universities and cooperatives, just talking to farmers and asking like general questions like, what do you grow? Mm -hmm. And why don't you grow um, a lot of coffee now? What happened in the past? You know, like, do you still grow coffee or do you sell them? And we get coffees or samples from the farmers and we brought them here back in Manila and have folks like, I mean, I think Andre was one of the first people who tried the coffees, and we roasted through slice um, sample roaster back at the curator then. So, yeah, that's where it started. So it's been a really long journey, so from like that tiny sample roaster and like these trips, not knowing anyone, to where you are now. Right? Yeah. Like they they talk about like watershed moments or great moments in the history of mm -hmm. of a company. When you think of like the history of Calzada, what would you consider those moments to be? Um, hmm. I think it was that one interview with the farmer in Mountain Province that kind of like, oh, that happens? Like, so we asked, I mean, we actually didn't ask, they asked us. Mm -hmm. So the farmer's like, how are you related to some groups of this coffee groups? Yeah. And we weren't, because we were new and we didn't know what we were looking for. We just asked random questions, just trying to, you know, scratch the surface. Yeah. And we didn't know any of them. I didn't know any of the coffee players back then. And when we ask why, you know, they give you a story that, oh, they, they still owe us money for, for coffees we sold them years back. So I thought, well, that sucks, because it's, I mean, they're farmers, and you know, I come from a family of rice farmers too, so I know how difficult it is. And having people owe them money for a couple of sacks of coffee means a lot. So that was the interesting part for me. It's like, okay, there's more to coffee than just knowing or finding out why we're not selling anymore. There's exploitation, there's, you know... Um, corruption and all other things and that's what interest that picked my interest i think and i was like okay i have to ask more questions and how do you go about fixing problems like right that? right i mean i think in the beginning it's just asking you know it's like 
what happened. And we weren't even like thinking about finding solutions for it. We just wanted to know why it's happening and how it's happening in the Philippine context for coffee. And was that part of the original mission of Calzada? I think part of the original mission for Calzada is just, I mean, Carmel really wanted to just bring back good Philippine coffee to the States. That's it. Very easy. It's like, let's find a farmer or a, an organization that, that produces coffee, buy it, and then send it back to the States. That's but it. That's it. Super simple. Simple. But along the way, we realized it's not as simple because we would get samples from all these farmers, try them out, and only one or two would be good enough to drink for, for people who starting specialty in Manila back then. And would you consider that like among your key obstacles? Yes. That really like opened it. I mean... Open more questions, but also like um, that's when we realize we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like what's missing in in the production side of things for the Philippines? Why we can't produce good quality coffees? Like honestly, at the beginning, I didn't think we can produce good quality coffee because I didn't know any better. So, <clears throat> like maybe a year or two years into it. I was doubting it. So it took some time. It did, because I didn't understand it. Um, so that also adds to the doubt. Mm -hmm. you know. Really interesting. <laughs> okay, so that, that's a good question. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned that you found this great um, coffee, this great location, and then when the farmer uh, you know, passed away, uh, his family didn't want to mm -hmm. keep working in coffee. How often do you face that kind of situation? And is it an ongoing concern? It is. It is. And I think it's just not in coffee. It's a lot of um, other crops. It's, it's an ongoing problem in agriculture. Yeah, agriculture in general. Yeah, agriculture is not very, you know, appealing to the young people. Because it's long. It's labor-intensive. They would rather go to the city and do a daily... Um, job and get paid on a daily basis than work on the farms for months before getting something out of it. So yes, we get we encounter that a lot. And that's also why a lot of the farmers we work with are still older. Mm. Yeah. So it I mean like I, I work a lot in the art and cultures world, right? And that's something that we faced with mm. with uh, tattoo culture mm. where where you know, the tattoo masters here in the Philippines, like the Wangod, yeah. um, they didn't have apprentices to keep the to keep the art alive. And th that art was going to die. Yeah. And, you know, we've also seen it with like the Zapateros mm -hmm. in Marikina, where they don't want their children to be making shoes. And if we're starting to see situations like that in agriculture, how do we address that problem? Mm -hmm. how, how do you see that? Uh, I guess what I'm asking is that as someone who's on the ground and is in contact with them, how do we address those issues and hopefully uh, fix it, I guess? Well, um, based on what we're doing right now or based on experience, one way of effectively encouraging them to go back to agriculture is 
to um, assure them that there's money, there's income, mm -hmm. and it's a livelihood that they can rely on. Because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to have food on the table, a roof on their head. So it's really just making sure they can survive with agriculture. And one way of us doing that is we hire a lot of the young um, farmers or children of farmers we work with to do a lot of like the major activities at the farms. But also we want the younger ones to go to university and get an education that may equip them to run the business, you know, run coffee farming as a business. So that, and just, you know, like encouraging them or inspiring them that, hey, we started this when we were younger, your age, and it didn't really look lucrative at the time, but it can really be um, a sustainable livelihood for, for you guys. You, you mean using Calzada as a model for them to look at and, mm -hmm. and mirror for their own lives? Yes. So on that level, it's like you guys are almost like role models and... We'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, at least we wanted to inspire them that, you know, like, like us can, like young people can go to university and still go back to agriculture and make it a business. So in, in that, uh, kind of to switch lanes a bit, uh, like you guys being role models for them, are there any other role models that you guys have seen yourselves, you know, following, whether mm -hmm. it's nearby nations, mm -hmm. similar um, species of... Mm -hmm. of, of uh, of coffee, uh, how has that played into your situation? Um, hmm, good question. I mean, um, my inspirations are not in agriculture per se because I really came from the medical field. Mm -hmm. So I've. But my... so did Lori Obra of <laughs> Rusty's Hawaiian. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I used to work at the Department of Science and Technology, I'm involved with a lot of researches that are medical related. And so I guess one of my inspirations is now the Chancellor of UP Manila, hmm. who is a genetic doctor, um, genetics doctor. So she, she was my mentor too, and she, she has a vision for health that I think I would want to do for a similar thing for agriculture, if I mean, if not just for coffee. Um, if you were to restate that vision as if it were for coffee, how yeah. would you say it? Um, it's providing equal opportunity to all farmers. Okay. Yeah. I think she has always begun that, like make healthcare accessible to everybody. And I think that's what I wanted to um, work on with our, in agriculture is make agriculture, um, you know, a decent livelihood for, for everybody. So given that vision, right? Given that vision, uh, if you had unlimited time okay. and unlimited money, what would, what would Calzada do? Yeah, we have a lot of things we wanted to do, but I think one of the major projects we really wanted to push for is setting up a coffee research and development um, institute. What would happen there? Um, it's pretty much doing actual and sound research in different aspects of the value chain. So it's not only in agriculture. I mean, it has to be 
on roasting side of things, consumer side of things, even trading. So for me, research, actual and factual research makes a, a policy effective. So we want to have as much research on the ground as we can, because I think the Philippines is lacking that in terms of coffee. So that's given unlimited funding <laughs> and unlimited time. Yeah. If we, were, if we needed to find the funding and find the time, how would we go about doing that? Well, I wanted to, of course, want to have a, that, a research institute for coffee, right? And government? I want it to be a government and private partnership. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course, government has an unlimited source of funding. Mm -hmm. So long as we pay in our theory, taxes. In, in theory. In theory. Right, yeah. so, you know, so long as everybody pays taxes, we will have enough fund to fund all the researches that we need for the industry. But also, what's important is having the industry um, participation, like private, because they will drive the researches. Like, because we as an industry need these researches for for our businesses. Mm -hmm. So, ideally, I would I'm envisioning it as a partnership between government and private. It's interesting because, like, uh, we, like I don't know if you guys see Casada as a social enterprise. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 very fuzzy because like. We live in an age where everyone calls themselves a social enterprise, and you really have to check, yeah. right, whether or not a, a social issue is actually being addressed. Yeah. Like some people say, like, oh, we started a social enterprise, and you're mm -hmm. like, how are you doing? Oh, we're hiring local people. Mm -hmm. And th that really isn't fixing something, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like finding a specific social uh, concern. Yeah. And they need to fix, right, to... to to fix the issues mm -hmm. that we have in agriculture, that's a real social um, change issue. Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about now, right? So yeah. come out of the hypothetical, go back into the now. And uh, in terms of like processing and experimentation uh, at, you know, with your current setup, how do you balance like the sustainability and the mm -hmm. need for, for, uh, for experiments because the experiments don't always work out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well when we started and again i didn't come from a coffee background but i did have a science background um, so experiments are a natural um, thing for for us so a lot of the first part of doing the processing is small batch um, experiments. How small? I would do like a kilo batch. Okay. You know, I have like 33 different fermentation experiments. Um, when I started out staying at the farms and doing all the fermentation experiments. Um, and I read through a lot of that online, but I also had the opportunity to chat with some of the industry players that, that have been doing, um, Processing experiments for the last couple of years. Um, I was lucky to um, sit through a car ride with Dr. Manuel Diaz to a farm, and I just asked him random things about fermentation, and he's just very generous about, about everything. And he's like, just try it out, taste it, and see if it works out. So, <laughs> and then so I did all 33 experiments for the first year in small batches. 
And we tried all of that. We sent him a bunch of samples. He gave us feedback. And then um, we just narrowed it down to smaller and smaller, big, smaller batches, or I mean smaller number of experiments, bigger batches. Um, but overall, we don't do anything crazy with our experimentation. It's still very natural. Or what we wanted to do is it's going to be replicable enough for a farmer, a regular farmer with not enough um, funding to, you know, implement this um, fermentation experiment. So you don't need big gas tanks? No big, gas tanks, yeah. no refrigerators, it's all natural, but um, we wanted to control it as much. And it's really understanding, for, for the farmers, um, it's understanding how fermentation works. Um, that's, that's one. And how you can at least control it with whatever you have. So that's what we do. Like We have all this um, knowledge about fermentation, but we do the experiments that are suitable for for whatever they have at the farms at the moment, you know. Nice. So, and then, like, that's just processing. Um, recently, we designed a drying facility that we've revised over the years, <laughs> over the years. Because <laughs> initially, what you would do, of course, is go to a country of origin, mm -hmm. see what they, what they have, try to maybe copy that and apply it here. Yeah. Doesn't work that yeah. way, because we always have different, you know, problems. I remember in very early days of Calzada having discussions with, with your team and yeah. different people involved about Arabusta, yeah. which was, which was, you know, it's in the news now uh, because Ivory Coast is, is being able to produce a lot. Um, but it's something that, you know, you try, it doesn't work out and yeah. that's it, right? Yeah. So what are the ones that you've seen um, have worked out? Um, so... Right now, because the Cordilleras have limited flat areas, you know, we designed a drying facility that's up for the terrain, um, and it's 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 weatherproof. Ideally, it's weatherproof mm -hmm. um, because we get a lot of typhoons during harvest season, and we can't avoid those. So, it's, is it covered? Or? It's covered. We okay. use a, a polycarbonate roofing. Okay. Yeah, and we use um, instead of using wood or bamboo that deteriorates every few years. We use, a, well, based from the recommendations of the farmers themselves too, because they need to build it and they build it every year or mm -hmm. make renovations. Um, they recommended that we use steel. Really? Yeah. Ah, I thought they would go with PVC. Yeah. So they went with steel. Yeah. So they're metal mm -hmm. covered in polycarbonate. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So, and... And are, isn't it a concern for the... Um, for deterioration, rust, and such? Um, we have, we have um, maintenance that we do sure. um, every few months or every year, depending on what needs to be maintained. Like polycarbonate um, accumulates fungi, so yep. you have to brush that. You know, rust, of course, leaks, so we have all those covered for our maintenance. And those are the revisions that you have to make yeah, over yeah, and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we copied one model from, I think it was Colombia the first time, and that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Like, the following year, we had to change it. Mm -hmm. So now, and then we have to measure, like, the effectiveness of or an efficiency of the, the build-out. So um, on our first year, we reduced about 36% of labor costs just putting up this... 
um, drying facility, mm -hmm. which is a lot for an operation, yeah. small operations. Yeah. You know, so that's what we wanted to do. It's not. It, it can. It can be a model for for mills around um, the Cordillera, which have the same issues. Um, and it's subject to be to revisions depending on where they want it to be um, placed. Okay, so um, this all sounds super interesting, uh, but like I've I've never been to your farm, right? Yeah. So and and you know the the concept <laughs> of the origin trip has really um, you know hit the zeitgeist since it you know so much of of the consumption that we make in in the specialty mm -hmm. coffee industry revolves around competition, right? Mm -hmm. And every barista goes up and says, oh, I went to this farm, I right. went to that farm, right? So if, 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 I, was a, if I was a competition barista, mm -hmm. maybe, or mm -hmm. even just a tourist, and we were to go on an origin tour to your, to your um, location, what would happen? Okay. Yeah, well, we do a little bit of this already with our clients okay. um, and, and a few baristas who are interested in seeing our operation. When you so, say clients, you mean roasters, roasters, cafes? Yeah, and cafes, yeah. So, well, we would start at um, the highway. We will meet you at a kilometer 22 at a waiting shed and we'll pick you up from there. Um, and we'll go three kilometers down from the highway to the community where we work with. Um, so it's City of Belize, and we, well, our origin tours are all homestay, so we would stay with a farmer and see how their day-to-day -day is also. So when you, we get there, we, um, we'll show you around how coffee is grown in Binguet, where it's not never a plantation, it's a backyard farm. And, and is it multiple kinds of coffee or? It's all Arabica, but all different varieties. Okay. Yeah, we have a lot of um, red bourbon, some Mondonovo, some Ramon. Um, we have other varieties. I would say about seven more other varieties of coffee or Arabica. So yeah, so we would and let you. It's still hom and then you homogenize it. Um, right now, because we cannot individually identify the varieties, mm -hmm. we separate it by cherry color. So we have the orange cherries and the red yeah, cherries. Yeah. And so the red... And it's not yellow, it's orange. It's orange. Okay. So the orange is at least one variety. Um, and then the reds, we just call it a mixed red variety. Because mm -hmm. um, for the farmers, that's easily identifiable. Color difference is identifiable at, at the moment. At the picking level, yeah. Yeah, and the picking level, you can like, sh okay, this is ripe for orange and this is ripe for red. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's also going to be part of the farm tour. We will um, orient you on how picking works and the, the standards for picking. You can just pick all kinds of coffee cherries. Um, and you have to separate it by color, orange or red. Um, so we'll go around uh, the farms and let you pick coffee cherries. And then... We'll bring it back to the mill and you process it yourself. So we have a machine to remove um, the skin of the coffee. And all through this, we will walk you through why you need to do specific steps of the processing, why you need to pick the ripest cherries. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why do we have to process it within the same day? Why do we have to do a dry or wet fermentation? Why do we have to wash it? You know, why do we have to mix it? Why is fermentation? What happens during fermentation? And then you'll have to dry the coffees too. You'll have, you would have to help the farmers working in the mill 
to dry, pack, and measure moisture contents of what's drying on the tables. And yeah, basically go through the entire process of how farmers do it themselves. And then at the end of the day, I would sit over a litter or a, a pot of uh, coffee. <laughs> I thought you were going to say beer. <clears throat> yeah, so <laughs> a pot of coffee. <laughs> and talk some more, you know. Um, and then the following day, you do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring out the coffees. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much experiencing how the farmers do it themselves. Nice. Yeah. Um, on a more personal level, like, is there an experience you had with a farmer that, um, like, a great story that you wish everyone could go through, maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, we currently work with about a hundred farmers, and a hundred. Yeah, and each individual farmer is different from the other. Of course, everybody knows Antia Strin, and she's. Mm-hmm how she's uh, a leader in her own right. She can, but I wanted to talk about her son, um, Rafi, which, uh, who I think is the future of coffee agriculture in, in the Philippines. Um, so Rafi currently is, I don't know, I would say he's our quality manager at the farm right now. So he would receive coffees and say if it's ripe enough or not ripe enough and send it back to the farmer if it's not ripe enough and tell them why. He is the son of Auntie Estrin, who is our mill manager. And so Ravi has been involved in a lot of the operations that we do um, in Sitio Belize. But he's always just a shy you know, uh, boy watching, but he understands all of it. Like he listens why it's important to wait for the chairs to ripen, like what sugar content means. And he can talk about it in his language and understand the quality of coffee because we drink coffee with him. And he also, I mean, we wanted to make sure he has, you know, that sense of pride and responsibility also for, for the community where he belongs. And I see that he's a leader in the making, like he can, he can speak his mind freely, even with the elder people, and that's kind of mm-hmm. like a big thing at the mm-hmm. farms in the provinces. And so yeah, so he would decline um, accepting cherries that are not the quality we're looking for, and explain to them um, why. Um, and also, he knows how to taste coffee, and like that's a big one. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think also just being open to um, all the projects that we're implementing there and his willingness to stay, you know, yeah. like... That's he, a really big one. Yeah, he, he wants to learn and wanted to be a part of it. So for me, I think he's, uh, yeah, he's the future of coffee farming, a knowledgeable farmer that's a son of the farmer that's, that takes pride in, in what he does. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, so um, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks for having uh, me. I wish we had more time to talk. Um, <laughs> but again, this has been uh, Let's Coffee with 
Tara Domino of Calzada Coffee. If anyone ever wants to get in touch with you, is the best way through Instagram? Yes, um, follow me on Instagram. Um, my name is Tara Domini, so at Tara Domini. Or you can also look me up on Facebook. It's my name, Tara Domini. And of course, Calzada as well. And yes, Calzada. If- If someone wants to go on one of these origin trips, can they convince you to do it? Or it's really just for far, for cafe and business partners? No, we're, we're opening it to public. That's um, awesome. So for the next three months of Harvest, we are encouraging people to come join us and see our operations, help out. It's, we're expecting a big Harvest this year. So if we can get you guys to help us with... You know, all the things that we do on the farm now, that would be awesome. And we'll teach you or at least share with you what we do and how we do things there. couple last questions. Okay. First one, not counting any Philippine coffees, uh-huh. what's your favorite coffee to drink? Oh, that's, that's easy. A lot of people know which one's my favorite. It's um, Kenya is mm-hmm. my favorite origin. I wash your natural. Wash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Kenya wash is... Yeah, it's when I if I go to like a a cafe, I'd look for a Kenya wash, and that's the first thing I would try. Very good answer. <laughs> We have a really good uh, Kenya wash today. You got to try uh, in our bar. If you're gonna have coffee with anyone from any from any time, maybe yeah, who would that be, mm-hmm. and why? Okay. Uh, hmm. That's a good question. I I would probably sit with um, Chit One of the Philippine Coffee Board mm-hmm. over coffee and just you know share um, what Cosada has been up to and our progress and also I mean talk about what can be possible for the Philippine coffee industry. That's such a really good. Um, that's actually a really good answer. Like building bridges mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of embodies like the spirit of what Let's Coffee is about, right? Like Let's Coffee itself is a collaboration between Yardstick and, and Daily Drink Magazine, right? Um, and building bridges and getting, like making the opportunity to sit down is uh, is very valuable, right? Right. And it, it seems like there are a lot of things that would be solved if we just had coffee. Yeah, exactly. Like coffee and conversation should be a regular thing. And um, and it has, I mean, one conversation that leads to another. It's it's always a good thing to have conversations with people, especially people who are already in coffee. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, coffee brings people together anyway, so... All right, so thank you for joining me for this cup of coffee. Let's Coffee is a collaboration between Yardstick Coffee and Daily Drink Magazine. And if you'd like to join us at any of our uh, taping days, I guess, uh, where we record this uh, this show, please follow us on Instagram, either Yardstick or Daily Drink Magazine uh, or Honeycomb Manila, where we come from, uh, where we tape the show. Uh, so. Yeah, please come join us anytime. Thank you, Tere, for joining us. Thank you, Kayo. Uh, we'd love to have you back maybe at some point <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're very happy to have you um, as our friend and in this industry together. And thank you all for watching. Let's have coffee. <laughs>